Welcome to Journal Spotting. Aware that microplastics are bad for the environment and oceans, but want to better understand their effects on human health, your ears are in the right place. This is a general medicine podcast that will bring you a monthly roundup of the top practice changing articles, along with specialist interviews, guidelines, and more. We scour the journals so you don't have to. This is The Climate Zone. Welcome back to the Climate Zone, listeners. I hope you've all had a wonderful Christmas time. Uh, you weren't too disappointed by our Christmas special and made you feel all negative about everything. Uh, I hope you still had an awesome, awesome time. Uh, so welcome back. It's a new year, new journal spotting, same team. Today, you lucky, lucky listeners, we are joined by the wonderful Dr. LJ Smith and the fantastic Dr. Jonathan Hudson. I'm feeling very positive. It's a uh, it's a new year. Christmas has been. Everything's good. Everything's rosy. Um, guys, how were your Christmases? And um, yeah, what what was you, what was not necessarily your best gift, but what was your key present you received this Christmas? Uh, turns out, Barney, I am allergic to the Christmas tree, so I got given <laughs> a large tub of Dipra base, uh, which I've got here. So that was good. <laughs> Nice. nice. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear Thought about you... your woes, John. Looking a bit rashy, mate. Looking a bit rashy. There we go. Don't be too rashy. Um, I very much took her advice about avoiding all of the fossil fuel transport options mm. for Christmas and got some new pannier holder things for my bike. Nice, nice. I'm very Love excited that. to sort yeah. these out. <laughs> are they? Are they? Are they colourful? LJ, are they? Uh, are they going to sort of um, light up in the traffic and things? Uh, don't know about that, but they are things of beauty. Oh, lovely, I'm sure. How I'm about sure. you, Barney? What did you get? Well, um, my present, I suppose, my the key thing I got, and it's a bit controversial in the sense that it was I got it after this interview. So see what the listeners feel after they listen to this interview. And invested in a um, an air purifier, and it was um, it's one of these ups and downs trying to figure out because obviously it loses electricity. But then I was also thinking I live in sort of London. I think about the air pollution and the development of my kids' lungs, all these sorts of things. Anyway, so I've got an air pollution, um, an air, air purifier. So I'll let you how, know how my kids' lungs are in about 20 years' time. <laughs> <laughs> um, good stuff there, guys. None of you fell into my trap of sussing out how much plastic you got, although that bottle looks, you know, like a disposable plastic bottle there, mm. John. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is, okay. but it's full of cream, so it's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so you're you're tempting us. I can tell that you're really dying to tell everyone, including our listeners, about today's interview. Go ahead. Yeah, fine. So I chatted to the really wonderful Barbara Melkert. Um, she's an associate professor at the University of Groningen. Did I say it right, John? You were sort of you were lambasting yeah. me for it earlier, yeah. more or less, uh, which is a university in the Netherlands. And she has reached, researched and published many, many fascinating studies relating to respiratory physiology and disease. But over the last few years, um, her specialist topic has focused on microplastics. Now, I, I saw Professor Melchert give a, a really fantastic talk at the Euro- European Respiratory Society's conference in Barcelona, um, sort of back in September. And I sort of quickly came up to her afterwards and asked her if she wanted, yeah, if she wanted to be on the podcast, and she agreed. Well, thank goodness. Um, otherwise, this would all be a bit of a short episode. Imagine, and, and that's the end. And I'm just gonna, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's our post Christmas episode. They're gonna be, we're gonna keep it short from now on, listeners. You're lucky. Um, yes, she did agree. Yes, and um, we had a, a really brilliant discussion, which you're gonna hear covering 
what microplastics are, how they form, what the worst culprits are, what the evidence is behind them, what the evidence is behind them causing harm in humans, um, and her really, truly fascinating research. Okay, you've hooked us. Let's get on and listen to the interview. Oh, hold on. Uh, before we start, quickly remember, uh, listeners, rate, follow and review us on any podcast library. And if there is anyone you know who is curious about microplastics, share the link to this podcast with them. Prepare to have the plasticity of your brains blown. I mean, who isn't interested in microplastics? <laughs> anyway, we're about to find out. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. And today I am very pleased to say we have a, a wonderful guest and I'm going to try not to butcher her name. We've just been discussing how to pronounce it, but we have Professor Barbara Melchert from Groningen University in the Netherlands. Um, hello, Barbara. How are you doing? Hello, I'm well. You? Yeah, very well. Thank you. And so yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I know there is a little bit of a time difference um, which means that it's even later for you than for me. So, um, yeah, I really do appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, today, listeners, we're going to be talking about a whole host of um, fascinating research um, about microplastics and how they are affecting human health and planetary health. And we're going to end by talking about what you know individuals can do to try and prevent that risk or trying to improve the situation. And also what we might be might want to tell our patients or we should be considering telling our patients and we're going to start if that's okay Barbara with a few quick fire questions okay and so these are short okay. questions which are going to hopefully help um, uh, sort of give a bit of structure give it yeah give the audience an idea about what we're going to talk about in more detail later okay okay are you ready I'm, I'm ready. I have my hands <laughs> on the button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to get some sort of jingle or something which goes with this. But anyway, we'll see. Um, okay, so the first question is, Barbara, out of 10, how worried are you about the effects that microplastics are having on human and planetary health? I'd say six. Six. Okay. So pretty worried, but sort of not end of the world worried just yet. Um, yeah. What do you think is the worst contributor of microplastics clothes fast fashion i would yeah. say okay interesting we had a we did have a whole big discussion about fast fashion recently on our podcast which um which links in nicely oh, okay. to this yeah not not about plastics actually but about sort of the planetary cost of them so <laughs> it's another reason that fast fashion is bad brilliant exactly um what is the one biggest risk for microplastics for the planet Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, only one biggest risk, right? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you have a couple if you've got a couple. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the fact that they don't degrade and accumulate is the one biggest risk. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. That's, that's, that's fascinating, actually, and something we can all understand. Okay. The next one is... What is the most surprising place that you have heard of plastics being discovered? I would say in the, uh, oh, what is it called? The, the Mariana Trough. So that mm. big, deep trough in the sea, like, like what, 10 kilometers down. Yeah. And even there, they found microplastics. 
Gosh, yeah, that's terrifying, isn't it? If they can get there and get everywhere. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Uh, the, the Himalaya, I can understand, right? So that's another yeah. surprising place, but it's just the wind taking the microplastics from somewhere else. But that's, yeah. uh, I mean... <laughs> that's sunk all the way down, uh, you, know, yeah. you know, tens of kilometers down. Wow, fascinating. Okay. What do you believe is the one biggest risk for microplastics in humans? Hmm, another, another pretty difficult question. Yeah, I'm, I'm um, pressing you, Barbara, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd love to have a little course, time I'm on a, my screen. I'm a, I'm a respiratory researcher. I, I would go with, um, with um, uh, adverse effects on lung function. Okay, fascinating. And what do you think is the one most important thing we can do to reduce microplastics in our environment? And that might link into a previous one. One biggest thing. I'm going for a couple there, right? So yep, no, you more than welcome. Reduce, reduce plastic use. Um, plastic is a fantastic material, right? It's versatile. It's it's sturdy. You can use it for a very long time. We should use it for a very long time. So. If you have something which is made of plastic, don't throw it away. So I see two loaves of bread in the background behind you, you do. in plastic bags. And there is, a, there is actually <laughs> and, a, a reason for that. But anyway, please carry on. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, these plastic bags, they're very persistent, right? I mean, you could use them mm. many times. And what do we do with this wonderful material? We just throw it away all the time. So yeah. we shouldn't do that. We should reuse. If we use plastic, reuse it, keep using it. And and don't renew all the time. And, um, and the other thing I would say is for clothes, because I think that is a, a very important contributor to the microplastic problem is, is start using more natural fibers. Okay. Wonderful. Again, like we did before. There's a, there's a big move generally in, in the world, isn't there, to go back to how we were before, because that was probably <laughs> yeah. better in every way. Um, well, not in every way, but in yeah, some ways. Okay. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That, that's a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it? But yes. Um, and final question. Out of 10, how hopeful are you that we will find a solution to microplastics in our world? I was going to say a four, but mm -hmm. then I just read about this bacteria that can degrade PET. The, yeah. So the PET models, the polyester at normal pH, normal temperatures. And I thought, oh, if that works, then actually there's hope for the world. So yeah, I guess Fascinating. I'll, I'll, I'll up it to a five. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, one up. No, that's brilliant. Okay. Interesting. So, um, and I've heard about these and there are, you know, there's a, lot, a few different things. I've seen, you know, videos of worms eating plastics and all sorts, but, um, but anyway, fascinating. Okay. Thank you, Barbara. That's really interesting. And a lot of those things we can delve into a bit more, um, with our discussion. Right. Moving on, onto the main interview, onto the main discussion. I, I thought it'd be really interesting, um, for you to, well, first, Introduce yourself. We already have a little bit. Um, tell, explain to the audience why why are you so fascinated in plastics, and perhaps you could give our listeners an, a bit of an idea. Because I've heard a few interviews and seen a few discussions with you about how your home life has been affected by your knowledge of microplastics. Okay, yeah. So that, that's an interesting one. Um, so I I must admit that until 2018, I didn't know about microplastics. 
Um, but then um, a colleague of mine alerted me to the possibility for a specific grants. And he wanted to try out the growth of organoids, lung organoids. And he wanted to see if we could get some money for that. And he said, well, I don't have time. Maybe you can look into it. And it was a specific call about microplastics. And I was like, microplastic? What the heck is that? <laughs> and then I started to delve into that. And then I got fascinated. My, my, my eyes opened. I was like, what? But there was a lot about microplastics in, in or plastic in the sea. So I'd heard about plastic in the sea, the pollution problem, but I hadn't realized that, that there were microplastics as well. And then I started thinking about that and I said, well, we wear all these clothes that are made of plastic um, and, and these are fibers and what and, and you see all this dust in your home. So what is that? So then I started reading and no, that's where I got sucked into uh, this uh, <laughs> vortex. <laughs> Pretty um, OK. So and then I thought, well, this is an issue, right? We have all these clothes that are made of plastics. They release fibers, they get into the air, and then we can breathe them in. So I'm a respiratory researcher, and I'm interested in air pollution, and this could be a type of pollution. And there was nothing known about human health in microplastics and absolutely nothing about lungs. I mean, there was some data about... Uh, people in the flocking industry that they had got the respiratory symptoms, but that was about it. So I wrote the grant, got the money, started research, and um, discovered actually that in our test system, these these close fibers that we used were were actually quite profoundly affecting the growth of lung organoids. Um, and at the same time, I was building a house um, together with my husband, of course. And um, then you get all these questions about, so how do you want to heat your house? How do you want to make sure that the air is okay? And we have in, in Holland, we have these standards that you have to adhere to. And I looked into these standards for air quality and I said, like, that's it. That's that's what we find enough to me it it didn't feel as enough um and i we were building a house with with a, um, a group of people so we we're all building our own house within the same area and nobody had any eye for air quality they were all thinking about how do we insulate our houses as much as possible how do we prevent spending uh, money on on energy um, so all these houses were insulated completely tightly shut and I was yeah but but, but air quality air quality it was the only one worried about air quality so I just said well yeah. it's our house I'm going to up the the, the the ventilation system so I really looked into that and that tied in with this writing this grant about microplastics well we have to make sure that we get fresh air in that we don't have this dust flying around um and and have to make sure that that it, it will cost a little bit of money all this extra heating but at least you make sure that your air is clean to breathe 
So that's a little bit of the background, how I got into microplastics, which is very fresh and new still, because it was, I mean, it was 2018. Well, it is fresh and new, isn't it? I think this is it. This is a, an upcoming and a very important area of research. Um, I, I've, I've read other things about you, I've, that you, you, don't, you don't drink out of a plastic mug. I'm not sure, I suppose many, many children actually drink out of plastic mugs, but you, don't, you, you sort of don't drink, you use metal, you know, you, you, yeah, you have a metal cup. Metal which I th- or oh, glass. Always glass. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and I've heard stories about vacuuming um, and things like that. Is that, how, how often do you vacuum? How often should we? Yeah, you ask how many vacuum cleaners I have. It's oh, wow. <laughs> and I and I must say that, that um with the newest results we got from our, our experiments that I actually invested into an air purifier too, because I'm, I'm yeah. walking around in my house with my fancy ventilation system yeah. and still there's dust everywhere. There's just so much yeah. dust. And I now know that this dust, that's mostly microplastics and I'm breathing this in. So I invested into um, an air purifier that, that, take, that cleans the air even more. Okay. So I'm I'm getting a bit weird. <laughs> a bit weird. <laughs> wonderful. No, but I think this is really important because I think this is going to hear that and be like, "Wow, that sounds crazy." But then I think we're going to now we're going to go move on and and talk about why and how you've become like that. <laughs> you're not weird, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, you know, just given them a good idea of how important to somebody who knows about it this is. Um, so I think we probably need to take a little step back for our listeners um, and you know, for myself, for everybody, and just talk a little bit about what are microplastics. And you've mentioned clothes, but where else do they come from and what are the different types? So so the, the official def- definition of microplastics is any piece of plastic which is smaller than five millimeters. So it could be that small by design, right? So uh, think about these these um, personal um, toiletries, uh, creams with little particles in them to scrub. Um, those are usually made of microplastics and they're small by design. But I guess most of the microplastics that we find in our environment are actually degradation products of larger pieces of plastic. So that could be clothes, but that could also be, of course, uh, those plastic bags that I see in the background and other plastic things, right? I mean, as, lo- as soon as you put plastic in uh, outside for a very long time, you'll see that it degrades, it gets a little bit brittle and pieces fall off. So that that is, I think, most of the, um, the microplastic that you see. So by definition, those microplastics are also then very diverse. Um, they're, they consist of many types of plastic and many types of shapes. So it's very difficult to model um effects of these plastics on anything human health um uh, health of waterways fish whatever because there's there's so much variation and to um to keep it a little bit more concise and, and easy to test we decided to go for these closed fibers right um because they're mostly polyester there's nylon but those are the the main types of microplastics when you think about plastics derived from clothes. So your yeah, nylon and polyester, those are the sorts of things where we get the plastics in clothes. And then I think people can use their imagination about where else there are plastics in the world, plastic bags, plastic everything. And 
I've, I've been hearing about sort of things like car tires, um, uh, you know, bringing out lots of uh, microplastics into the atmosphere and other things, other more surprising places where we wouldn't expect, you know, microplastics to come from. Does that ring a bell? Uh, well, the question is, where aren't they, right? Because they're found everywhere and, and there's studies coming out all the time. I mean, there was this recent study showing that there are microplastics in blood, in human blood, in placenta, in brain, in lungs, uh, in water, in fish. In hmm. um, I, I don't think there's any uh, breast milk was the, the thing I, I read yesterday in The Guardian. Yeah. So it's 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 everywhere. So I, I can't actually think of a surprising thing because just assume that everything you touch, everything you in- ingest, everything you eat, use will contain microplastics, including yourself. Yeah, there we go. It's um, ubiquitous, as they say. OK, um, and it'll be a lot of we talk about on the on our episodes is the effect that health, the healthcare system is having on climate and I, I'll be interested to see what you think about um, what role the healthcare system has had in producing microplastics and where you know are there any main culprits from that point of view well so then I come back to to this ambivalent role of plastic plastic is fantastic because it, it it has helped us especially in the healthcare system to work sterilely to work more cleanly because we have all this these materials that we use once and then throw away. So it has helped with uh, reductions of infections, etc. But it also then adds to pollution, right? Because we're using things only once. Um, so I guess if you look at the healthcare systems, then of course that is a big thing. All these syringes that we use, the, the clothes, all the gloves, everything is made of plastic and everything is used once and thrown away. Um, and of course, that's very wasteful, but it's also it, it, it has helped us as humanity with infection control. So, <laughs> yeah, it's such a such a it's a minefield, isn't it? Rock in a hard place, I guess. And, and yeah. then I suppose trying to get some sort of balance between using what we absolutely need and but not overusing it as may be the case in some some situations. Yeah. Well, actually, in in the lab, we we of course use plastic a lot for all our cultures and it's all single-use plastic we've been thinking about how can we be more sustainable can we reuse things can we reuse plates pipette tips whatever um that these discussions are now starting up to see if we can be a little bit more sustainable and i guess we could do that in healthcare as well okay just actually on the side of that we've, we've mentioned recycling a little bit as well um is recycling protective against general microplastics in our environment? Um, and I don't, I don't mean sort of recycling as far as you know, having a Tupperware pot, which you use for years and years and years and years and years, but actually yeah, putting things in a recycling bin. Is, there, is, there, is that reducing the amount of microplastics in the world? I, I don't actually think so much yet, um, because the problem with recycling is that there's so many types of plastic that it, that it's sometimes hard to reuse because they you don't have the right blends anymore. So a lot of the plastic that is recycled is 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 only partly recycled and part virgin plastic is being used. So it's it's a mix then. So then you're not really 
helping the problem because you're still introducing new plastics. Um, yeah. And especially with clothes, I mean, you could use recycled plastic. So let's take the example, for instance, of these nice fluffy fleeces that we all wear and they're made of pet bottles. But these nice fluffy fleeces, they, they, you could, there's lots of fibers coming off them. So there's lots of microplastics coming off in the air, but also in, in, in the laundry. So I don't actually think that if you make that bottle into a fluffy fleece, you're, I think you're actually exaggerate, aggravating the problem of microplastics because there's a big thing going into fluffy stuff that, that goes everywhere. Yeah, that's fascinating. I hadn't really thought about that that issue, the problem with breaking it down and blending it up. It's maybe even more likely to be more brittle. And then as you said, or in fleeces and things, that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I say thank you. I'm feeling quite depressed now, thinking I'm doing all that good <laughs> yeah. recycling. But actually, but it comes back to this key of even though recycling is, well, you know, potentially helpful, the, the key message would be avoiding the single-use plastics in the first place. Yeah, that 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 would be the key message. Yes. What do we think about the? What, what do we know about the effect of microplastics on the environment as a whole? Ooh, okay. So, um, <laughs> disclaimer: I'm a, a human health person. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I know from from, it, yeah. from colleagues that, of course, there's lots of effects on wild wildlife right so fish in the sea that eat plastics because it's nicely colored so it looks like prey so they eat it there are effects on them so it usually is reproduction that is that is affected um and i guess that has partly to do with the fact that all these plastics contain additives to improve their properties and these additives like uh, bpa phthalates they all have uh, hormone-like um, actions, so they, they mess up uh, with reproduction. Um, so that that is what I know about fish and other things than sure. uh, human health. So we look at human health, then there the the, yeah, the phthalates and the BPA etc. also have hormone-like actions that can interfere with different processes, can increase the, the chances of cancer etc. But the actual microplastics, we, we don't really know. There's not that much data out there to, to show that what, what cells do with these plastics and, and what happens to them. That is just, the studies are now starting to look at that. But we don't actually know what happens. We just know that they're found in placenta, lung, intestine, etc. But we don't know what their health effects are. No, it's fascinating. It's such a it's, a it's a worrying worrying area, isn't it? Because we feel you may be on sort of the about to break through and realise how many things are happening because of the microplastics. Exactly. As you think about how recent it was been, I think it was only in twenty twenty when they, um, I think it was a study in Brazil when they talked about finding the microplastics on autopsies in in the lungs. And it's only in a few months ago in twenty twenty two when they had the first biopsy um they're biopsying lungs on bronchoscopy and they found microplastics all over the lung but it's it's one of these things with with better equipment to actually find it we are finding it as you say everywhere which is um which is crazy really that it's just just everywhere one of the interesting questions is i mean plastics have been around for 
uh, I think it's about 115 years, 1907 when they were first created, discovered. Um, They've been around for a long time and they obviously exponentially, we are using them more and more. If they were going to have a significant impact on human health, wouldn't we have, have seen that already? Wouldn't there be an obvious trend or association or, or I suppose that part of that question is, is there one? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. And that's how I got into it and, and thought, yeah, it's probably not that bad because then we would have seen it. But if you look at how long it took us to figure out that asbestos was causing a specific type of cancer, I think it was about 40 years. So we, we might be, and, and asbestos is pretty pretty harmful. And for for something, if something is a little bit less harmful, a little less obvious, it might take longer, right, to discover yeah. this. So, so I I went into this thinking ah, it cannot be too bad because then we would have seen it because we've been using plastics exponentially more since the fifties, basically. But what I've seen in my own experiments and in my own dishes with these organoids and it's like okay these are actually quite profound effects so maybe we are indeed at the the point of finding out more so that's that's why i said a six because i i don't completely trust it to be safe i i think there might be we might be on on the edge of discovering um harmful effects that's interesting, which I think look, this brings us nicely on to discussing your research. And I think you're going to have to start by explaining to the audience what the organo- organoids are, um, because you yeah. had lovely pictures in, in the ERS when I saw you speaking there. Um, but if you could explain to the audience what they are and what you and what you did to them. Yeah, without anybody seeing my hands, so it has to be worse. <laughs> even more difficult, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even more difficult. So um, organoids, I, I usually call them mini lungs. So what we do is we isolate epithelial cells from uh, lung tissue from humans or from mice. And these epithelial cells are introduced into a, um, an extracellular matrix type of gel and together with some... Uh, some fibroblasts that are uh, support cells that produce growth factors for these epithelial cells. And then these epithelial cells start dividing and and start forming structures that resemble structures we find in the lung. So we find tube-like structures that that resemble airways and also um, are characterized by specific cells that we only find in the airways. And we see these grape-like structures that are the alveoli or the air sacs um, that are covered with cells that we specifically find in alveoli. So we use this system to see what happens with um, when you add microplastics. So we made uh, polyester fibers and nylon fibers in dimensions that you could feasible, you could imagine breathing in. So. They're not as small as to get into the very uh, deep lung, so not probably not to uh, to the um, alveoli, but they definitely get into the airways, the bigger airways. Um, and we, the reason for this is that we couldn't make them smaller, so we had to <laughs> stick with those dimensions. Sometimes you have to be practical, right? Um, 
And the thing is, is that most of the studies that look at microplastics use cells and then introduce these microplastics and look at to direct toxicity. But the beauty of this organoid model is that you uh, study repair mechanisms or development. Um, so the way uh, lungs would develop in a fetus or if you hurt your lungs because you have a viral infection or you have a certain um, uh, respiratory disease, then your, your lungs get damaged and you need repair. And that's what you model with these organoids is how the lung repairs itself. Um, and that's where we find the tox toxicity of these fibers. It's specifically this repair mechanism that's inhibited. And they're not directly toxic because if you use organoids that are already formed and you give them these fibers, you don't see much happening. They, they just are perfectly fine. But as soon as you start with the epithelial cells that need to repair and form these structures and you introduce the fibers then, then you see that, that particularly airway structures so the tube-like structures do not develop anymore while the alveolar structures develop just fine okay so just to sort of recap the when you expose these organoids or these um these, yeah, this lung tissue or lung-like tissue the airways in particular um, when they're exposed for it they they were it looked like they were unable to to develop or repair um exactly. whilst if they were already established then actually it didn't seem to have too much effect. Yes. Okay. Um, and was any particular fiber or you know, material worse than the other? Could you tell that sort of yep. thing? Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we tried polyester and nylon. Um, mm -hmm. And polyester did have some effects, but it, the, the, the most profound effect we found with nylon. So we continued looking into this um and and the work with with polyester that that's we something we still need to do uh, but with the nylon we saw complete almost a complete inhibition of the outgrowth of airways um and then of course the question is is this the fiber itself or is it something mm -hmm. leaching from the fibers because i was telling you about all these plasticizers so we did um, a few experiments to rule out whether it was the fiber or the leachate. And there we found that it actually is something leaching from nylon that is causing this effect. And then the million dollar question always is, so what is it that is leaching from nylon? And exactly. we don't know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we, we've, we've analyzed the leachate. We found all these things in there. We tested all of them and none of them have the effect that we see. So we still don't know. Um, we're still working on it. It's, the jury is still out there. We could still discover it. Um, but um, until now, we don't exactly know what it is. So it's not BPA. It's not specific types of phthalates. Um, so it's not the usual suspects. We tried some other things that we found in this leachate. Also not the case. So, And that worries me, actually, because um, if you analyze a leachate, you pick up the, the the components that are that are there in the highest concentration right so the low concentration things are more difficult to pick up but that means that that very low concentration of something is having a profound effect so that means that it could be quite toxic absolutely and um it is mind-blowing whenever you look at these 
lists of chemicals and things which go into plastics or any sort of material it's 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 vast isn't it so um yeah. trying to pinpoint one or two do you think it might be a combination of of chemicals which could be causing the problem rather than one in particular or just it could sure. very well be. So we actually did try some combinations as well, uh, of and also that didn't have the effect. But it, it could be, of course, right? I mean, it's it's there's so much in there that that is is added for improving the properties. Is it's 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 a very difficult search. It's it's like trying to pinpoint what is exactly. Um, harmful in cigarette smoke it has five thousand components what is sure. it that is causing the effect we also don't know and we're fine with that right so yeah that's the way i tried to sell it to myself why i haven't been able to discover it yet <laughs> no sure and actually no, that is that is a really that, that's a very good analogy and actually you're absolutely right we don't say oh we've got to just get rid of a few chemicals cigarettes will be fine clearly not it's a you know it's much more complicated than that okay interesting very interesting and I suppose the, the obvious question, which I think a lot of people will be thinking is, well, these are very in-depth sort of in vitro studies. Um, what makes us really think that these organoids, which are developed, developed and you've made, um, what really makes you think that actually, say, nylon leaching into our own lungs would, would have the same effect? Because they're obviously far more complicated than that. Yeah, of, of course, our lungs are far more complicated. We have an immune system in our lungs that is not present in our in our organoids. Um, so um, probably it, effects could be different, but we, we did try some uh, experiments to find out how this relates to human exposure. So we know from the flocking industry, from the nylon flocking industry, that 30% of people who work there get respiratory symptoms, that they get bronchiolitis. So it, that sort of points at that that exposure is enough to cause problems in your airways. Yeah, obvious um, Of course, this hasn't been really well characterized because you can't take those lungs out of the people. So it's, it's, I mean, some biopsies have been done. So there there is some information about what the inflammation looked like. So... Our, our next best thing is then, of course, to use animals. So we, we have exposed mice to these fibers as well. And we gave them one dose of fibers. And then we waited for a week. And then we sacrificed the mice and uh, isolated the epithelial cells again. And then did our standard organoid model again. And what we saw then was that these epithelial cells that had seen fibers a week ago still are very much inhibited there still is no outgrowth of airway um, organoids so that means that that whatever is in the lungs and leaching from that nylon is is having a very well at least a seven day uh, long effect plus this organoid model takes 14 days so 21 days right yeah still effects which means that it's a very long-lasting effect. So it's not just something that changes a gene somewhere that could revert back. It, yeah. it appears to be very much more profound. That's fascinating. It does sound really quite significant, actually, doesn't it? And that's interesting seeing the animal models. Of course, you know, I, I, the research will be coming, I guess, on the human models and things. But this is that's really interesting that that's what we've got so far and actually does look pretty profound. Trying to sort of see, you know, a translational sort of response to this what 
who who do you think would be most at risk in humans um, from these microplastics, from this potential effect of nylon? Um, which populations? Well, of course, people working in the flocking industry. No, but any but any textile industry, right? Um, so people working in factories that that produce fabrics or produce fibers, uh, polyester fibers. So I guess a lot of company um, um, factories in China, where they where they make all these threads. Um, because what I understood is they they make rough threads of polyester and nylon, and then they polish them. And during that polishing, you'll always get this dust. Yeah, so everywhere. Yeah. It will be everywhere. So I, I would say those people are most at risk. But also um, people working in the 3D printing industry. Because 3D printing uses nylon as well to, to make all these things, whatever they're printing. Um, so there's lots of nylon in the air there as well. And I guess seamstresses, people working with clothes... So that would be, these are people getting high exposures of it. Um, and I was thinking about people with underlying lung damage already. That sort of, you know, from being respiratory, I was initially thinking of um, ILDs, IPF, yeah, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, uh, interstitial lung diseases, these sorts of things, or even COPD when they've got really quite significant underlying lung damage. And I suppose if there is a, if they're breathing in lots of microplastics that they're wearing nylon, is that going to be limiting their ability to repair and recover or, or even yeah. after infections and things? Um, but it's I'm, all about I presume, those, right? Sure. We don't know. And, and, mm. and that's why I think it's really important to, to know how much is in the air in our houses. How much do we actually breathe in? How much is deposited onto our lungs? Just to, to be able to make a risk assessment about that. Yeah. Is there any evidence about impairing in infection, um, lung infections or impairing sort of response or repair? I'm presuming we just don't know yet, but is there anything like that available? Well, not, no, not that I know of. Um, sure. it, it, it's something it, it, on my wish list, of course, of, of, of course, investigating. Yeah. And, and, and part of this big consortium in the Netherlands that, that is looking into microplastics and human health. And we have all these people that look at the, the problem from different angles so the people working on gut people working on lungs and also people working on um how many microorganisms attach to microplastics and yeah, what then really happens when you introduce them to cells to animals so i think those questions will be answered in the short future not not too long from now <laughs> if, that's from a research perspective listeners that's you know i yeah. remember before i got into research i was like oh sure i mean like maybe maybe by christmas we'll have all the answers no it's not doesn't <laughs> quite quite work like that um yeah i think 10 years <laughs> uh, 10 years or so yeah really interesting i mean this is such a space to watch and um or get involved with of course now i i think the other population which i know you've been asked about before is we're thinking about developing lungs, aren't we? So of course we're thinking about or well, lungs which have been damaged, as I, as as I was mentioning before, but also developing so children. Um, and is there any evidence that this could be impairing the growth in children or development in children? Um, and do we think any that evidence might come? 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that that evidence will come. Um, I mean, the, the the plastics have been found in the placenta, um, and they have been found in the fetuses as well, if I remember correctly. But there's also one study that looked at um, risk of developing asthma and microplastics exposure, and there was a, a an association. So I, I think that's interesting. Mm. We're we're getting there. People are now starting to be aware of it, starting to incorporate it into their studies. Um, so probably we'll hear a lot more about that. But like you said, I'm I'm particularly worried about children because um, they're crawling around, they're um, close to where all these dust bunnies are running around, and they're breathing them in. Um, they have developing lungs, so and they're small. So whatever they breathe in, that those will be bigger. Um, so that that might have a more profound effect on them, yeah, more profound than than adults. But of course, there's no data yeah. to support this. So I could just mention this, yeah. but no, it, of course. It's, it's um, I suppose it's sparking an interest, isn't it? That's all we, and sparking a, a thing which we need to find out about more. I, I'm just looking over in the corner here. I've got um, a, uh, a MDF and plastic kitchen for my kids. There's <laughs> yeah. a Hey Dougie. I'm just wondering. Um, here it is. I'm just going to have a look now for for our audience. So, does it tell you what it's made out of? Um, 100% recycled plastic bottles. So that I suppose that could mean it's got anything in it, really, if it's 100, percent you know, um, all yeah. sorts. Um, and you look at any children's toys. You know, we try we try to buy wood, but inevitably they get given a huge amount of plastic. So they do have a huge potential exposure to it. Plastic which they're biting, plastic which they're sucking exactly. and playing with, and things like that. So um, I think as a parent and parents listening, it will be really interesting to see. Interesting to see where. Where this goes in the future, the next ten years or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Brilliant. Okay, is there a way to measure, in any simple way, the amount of plastic which we have in our home environment? I, I suspect it's very difficult. No. Yeah, it's very. So the point with plastic is that it's really difficult to to um, to analyze, and partly is that that's because there's so many different types. Um, so you, you would have to adjust your method to, to all these different types of plastics. And part of it is because it's, it's organic. So it, it doesn't have a specific moiety that you can pick up with a specific analytical technique. So that's why it's very difficult to, to find. So we, we can now have the, the slightly bigger particles we can measure like like micrometer rate but of course there are also these tiny little nanoparticles um, that are taken up by cells that, that are very very hard to measure for us um so i i heard from collaborators in in the uk actually that they were working on on trying to make a sensor for microplastic that would of course be fantastic if we had a device a personal device that could alert you that oh your microplastic levels are high, start ventilating or start using your your purifier or go outside. Something like that, that makes you aware of, of, of the problem. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. And I think I haven't, I haven't heard of anything at the moment and it'll be interesting. I'm sure, again, that'll be something which we hear about, but I can see how that actually is potentially very complicated. All right, so 
moving on to what would you advise? So our listeners are, well, doctors, healthcare professionals, researchers, all sorts. Um, some of them, you're not even involved with healthcare. Um, what would you advise them as normal people to do to reduce their risk or the risk to their families from microplastics? Well, I think um, I would I would keep it more general. Uh, if I were a physician, I would um, focus on air pollution because I think those go hand in hand. And I think the air quality indoors is sort of overlooked a lot. I mean, we, we worry about the air pollution outside, but we spend most of our time indoors. And we the, the houses, especially now with the energy crisis, houses are insulated. People don't want to open up windows to get fresh air in. So there's lots of stuff in our houses that could affect our lung health. And it's not just microplastics, it's other things too. So I, I wouldn't try to scare people that much on a particular topic i would just focus on make sure that you ventilate that you keep the air in your houses clean because that will will help with your lung health okay great and how many times do we have to vacuum a day At least once, I would say. <laughs> at least once, wonderful. Okay, that's fine. Um, my wife will be great, very pleased to hear that and not the best person at vacuuming. I need to do it more. Lovely. And w- what about our patients? Do, would you, do you think we should be advising our patients in any different way now, knowing what we know? Should we be advising, for instance, our patients with respiratory diseases to be taking more care to avoid, avoid nylon clothes, that sort of thing? Or are we not? quite there yet i i don't think it we, we're not there yet i i, I couldn't yeah they, they find it hard to 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 single out microplastics i um i would then focus more on 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 the clean air air pollution just make it into a broader topic because i don't think the evidence is quite there to to um alert people to that because we simply don't know how many plastics we have in our homes in in the air and how much gets into into our lungs right if if it does compare to levels that we find in the flocking industry then i would start saying yeah, maybe reduce your use of of synthetic clothing synthetic textiles in your home or or start using an air purifier but i have ei we Everybody, I don't think we have a, an idea how much is flying around in our home. So, and, and, and until we do, I would get, keep it more general and focus on clean air. I think that's great advice, isn't it? And, um, and why, sort of, you know, if you're getting clean air, then you will be reducing your microplastic risk. But also, there's a whole, whole bunch of horrible things flying around, especially in London, where we are now, which we're all breathing in. Yeah, exactly. Barbara, Thank you so much. I think we've had that, that we've covered a lot, and there's a yeah, it's a fascinating area, and you've done some really quite amazing research, which is was so it's always so interesting hearing you speak about it, and it's very, who knows, might be inspiring for our listeners who are thinking about what sort of research to go into, and maybe they're going to. Well, go I, some I, I do hope so, and if anybody wants to collaborate, I'm very happy to collaborate. If I can do Lovely. a little marketing spiel here. <laughs> please. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, please tell, tell you know, what I was going to say is what, are, what would your um, take home points be for our listeners? 
um, about what we've discussed or what are the key things which you want people to take away but also yeah ventilate 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 <laughs> ventilate ventilate brilliant okay yeah so that is a, that is the key taking point for everybody no matter what if we get clean air yeah, then we're doing okay exactly. But, so the disclaimer here is that, of course, when you live right next to a very busy road, you might want to think about when you want to ventilate. Don't ventilate when, when there are traffic jams outside your home, because then, of course, you'll get all these fumes inside. So do it at night then when there are fewer cars around. Um, but in general, yeah, just think about the fact that our homes have air that is far more dirty than the air outside usually is. So that that would be my key take home message. Wonderful. And what sort of people are you looking for to collaborate? Well, people who can actually measure microplastic levels in the air in homes, people who have access to patient material that we could um, investigate microplastics in. So we bowel samples, lung tissue samples, sputum samples. Um, things like that. Anybody really with an interest in microplastics that thinks, hey, I can contribute, then contact me. I would love to collaborate. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really, I would absolutely love for one of our listeners to to get in touch with you and um, collaborate. And listeners, if you do, let me know because that would be wonderful to hear from you. Barbara, thank you again. I know it's very late where you are now. It's been wonderful speaking to you and seeing you again. And I think you've you've covered very well what we know so far about microplastics and how yes there is a concern but let's be let's be reasonable let's not panic just yet (laughs) exactly and thank you very much for taking the time to ask all these questions and and make me think about how to phrase all these novel dangers that we're we're exposed to because i don't want it to be a panic story like you said you take care and good night good night So there we have it, guys. I uh, I loved my chat with Professor Melker, um, but I'm curious to see what you thought about it and what your I don't know your key take home points were. Well, her research is totally fascinating and so cutting edge. So it was great. Thank you so much for bringing us the interview. Um, it seems like there's a really stark warning of the dangers of microplastics, and particularly on the developing lungs. And I I sort of knew that a bit, but it was really stark from what she was saying, and especially nylon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, for a start, I had no idea what organelles were before, you know, I, I actually before I saw her speaking at Barcelona, I suppose. But um, I think she did really well to discuss, you know, um, discuss the research, but she kept aware of the limitations of the research. So she kept, you know, she didn't just be like, oh, gosh, microplastics are going to end the world. She kept it sort of down to earth um, because this is basically her research is in in vitro studies and it's not completely clear yet what the effect is going to be on living people i thought she dealt with that really well Hmm. despite that she did spend a lot uh ventilating her house clearly yeah yeah i know i know she literally designed a house sounds like she designed a house based on the ventilation system um which is pretty impressive and hence why i ended up getting an air purifier (laughs) she's having impact already certainly with you yeah there we go um i've got to say hearing just how ubiquitous microplastics are was really interesting um the fact that they've been found in such diverse places so top of mount everest i mean that's depressing although i guess there's a lot Mm. of people climbing everest so maybe that's not surprising but then also to the bottom of the um the mariana trench which 
like how and uh, if it's there surely if microplastics are there they are everywhere yeah, um yeah. not to mention our house dust is totally full of it which makes me now look at my dusty shelves mm. in a whole new way yeah you can't help but get the feeling listening to her that uh, microplastics are going to be investigated as a trigger for nearly every respiratory condition going forward isn't it yeah, I don't yeah. know how we're going to go with that. Yeah, no, it's true, isn't it? I, th- I, th- I think it's really interesting. I think, you know, um, if it does cause sort of this damage, especially on developing lungs, is, are we, you know, these diseases, we're not quite sure what the triggering factor is. Is it going to be something like microplastics, um, which explains why we're already really seeing it? So we d- didn't used to see some of these diseases and now we're seeing them. Is there something like that? I mean, this is totally 100% speculation, but... There's going to be a lot of research looking into it and trying to piece it together. And I think it's a, a fascinating, if not slightly scary field. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to be hearing more about it, aren't we? And I guess, but it does come back to the fact that, you know, as she said, plastics are really important and useful material, but we need to be using less of it. And we definitely need to not be using single-use plastics. So we need to do prevention. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't wait to hear more about it. Now I feel like I've got a better grounding. And she kept pointing out these these two bags two bags of um, of bread I had in the background, <laughs> and she kept picking me up on it. I was like, "Oh, they're not usually there. <laughs> we don't usually." Just, never mind, never mind. But absolutely right, though. I think this is it, isn't it? It's just thinking about everything in your day life. These disposable plastics, we just need to try and reduce them as much as possible. Awesome. Well, well done, Barney. That was a fantastic interview. And um, listeners, if you're interested in what's coming out next, we'll be back to what we do best, which is rounding up the latest in medical literature for your knowledge-loving ears. Until then, as Barbara said, ventilate, ventilate, and ventilate. And also try and avoid using plastics as much as you can. <laughs> nice. Nice final words. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for uh, yeah being involved. And um, we'll be back Yeah soon next time bye see you soon you have been listening to journal spotting with your host dr barnaby hirons dr jonathan hudson and dr lj smith information and links from the show can be found on our website journalspotting.com or twitter if you've enjoyed the show subscribe and leave a review if you have any feedback or questions get in touch via our webpage via email journalspotting at gmail.com or tweet us disclaimer time This podcast is for educational use only. The views expressed are opinions based on our experience, the experience of our guests and the evidence we read. We are not affiliated to any particular institution. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use the information we share to make decisions on how to treat your patients or yourselves.